Welcome to the Rusty George Podcast, where each month we'll be tackling issues from the Bible to culture, community, and of course, sports. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Well, welcome to the Rusty George Podcast, everybody. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm the online campus pastor here at Real Life. Uh, with me in the flesh is the Rusty George, whose namesake this podcast is after. Mm, thank you, Josh. Head pastor <laughs> at Real Life Church, and uh, Shane Phillip from The Crossing in Las Vegas. Yep. And Wichita crew. That's right. Is yep, in the house, right. minus Steve Myers. That's right. So. <laughs> that's right. There's a few of us that got out. <laughs> yeah. so here we are. I completely understand that. So. Good to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. 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 Well done this weekend, by the way. Thank uh, you. That was, that was a, you rocked it on stage. So, um, so you guys have known each other for a long time. Just to get into things here, Wichita crew. Yep. Um, how did you guys actually meet? Like. Um, Did you go to school together and everything, or like? No, I'd be interested to hear your take on this, and then I'll tell you the truth. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll fix any of the. <laughs> you know, we grew up at the same church, and so That's I right. am just a tad older than Rusty, mm. and he likes to say it's it's like a generation, but it's not that old. But uh, we grew up at the same church, and we were at Countryside Christian Church growing up, and both of our families long time being at the church, and so. Uh, Rusty and I began to become friends. Honestly, when I was probably junior high, he was grade school, and uh, we were both helping out in our children's church. And both of us wanted to do ministry together. That's Take right. what you can get, and man. That's so right. So we had a youth pastor said, "Well, if you want to be in ministry, you need to do children's church." Which I think it was just his way of getting out of doing <laughs> children's was. church. Exactly. But we started teaching together probably when we were both. You know, I don't know whether you started teaching in grade school or whether um, it was junior high. Yeah, I think it was junior high, and you had just gotten into high school. I think yeah. so. Yeah, I was just. And that's kind of my first. That was kind of my first memory of Rusty kind of being on my radar, and and we just became really good friends from there. And so, nice. you know, we uh, as we as we got going, um, you know, I was in the high school youth group, and so. Um, he would want to hang out with me, which I'm not real sure why. <laughs> Dude, but you're in high school. Yeah, right. and that was pretty cool. And so I may, I may share a, a story about going to a Christian concert here in a little bit. But what's your take on uh, how? Where do, what's your stri- first memory? Striper, I'm all ears. No, yes, I, I actually didn't get to go to Striper. My mom wouldn't let me. Yes, I went to Striper. You know, it's a hell with the devil. Yes, and it was pretty awesome. Yeah. No, yeah. I. They were wolves in sheep's clothing. That's what my I mom think they said were bumblebees. It. Yes, that's right. More bumblebees. No, that's the way I remember it too. And Shane um, was kind enough to just kind of mentor me and let me ride in his Jeep and borrow his cassette tapes and, yes. and make bootleg copies of them and, and all that. And so he went on to college and uh, then I uh, went to Ozark as well, which is where Shane went. And then you went off to do youth ministry in St. Louis and, and then mm-hmm. I went out to Kentucky and and then we kind of didn't really see each other much until uh, I moved out to California. And then uh, you were already in Vegas by then and leading a church that was just a, you know, a couple years ahead of us in everything as far as the move and the building and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I really relied on Shane and his wisdom just to make it through those years. And, man, he's just been an incredible friend for a long, long time. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the interesting things about about our history is obviously we grew up the same church. We have these similar roots. Our families were highly committed. I mean, we did 
both of our families, you know, we grew up going to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, yeah. youth calling. I mean, we did it all <laughs> and, and hung out. But I ended up going to Vegas when I was 26, went to a brand new church plant called Canyon Ridge Christian Church. And it had started in 1993, and I came on as the first student ministry pastor in 94. And it was started by Mike Bro. Okay. And so Mike Bro is the senior pastor at Canyon Ridge. And it changed my life, just hearing Mike's uh, effort just to, to show grace to people. It's the first time I understood grace. But Mike actually felt like God was leading him to Southland uh, three years after the church was started. We were running 1,200 people at Canyon Ridge when we were three years old. And so Rusty was on staff at Southland. Yep. And so Mike left being the senior pastor at the church that I was at to go to the church that Rusty was That's at. Funny. And uh, yeah. and so it was like our lives just kept intertwining in these different areas, and that so it's just it's, right. it's a lot of fun, you know. And so you know, as we as our churches are similar in age and size, you know, as I went to the start of the crossing, he came here to real life. You know, we just have had so much in common in our ministry cycles. It's mm -hmm. been a lot of fun. That's yeah, so cool. It really has. So speaking of that, um, you guys are both. You guys both pastor in pretty unique areas, Santa Clarita and Southern California, obviously. It's kind of unlike the rest of Southern California. It's a right. little removed from L.A. It's north of L.A. County. Right. More sub suburban. Uh, obviously, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like yes. you said, a lot, not a lot of people know there's even churches in right. Las Vegas. Right, right. Um, respectively, like, what are some of the most common um, things, most common issues that you think people in general have in your respective ministry areas? Uh, well, I would just say that where we live in Santa Clarita, we just have a lot of people that are, and I know this is true in Vegas too, but they're so busy because they have to drive down to LA. Mm, yeah. So there's that 90 minute commute one way, 90 minute commute back, and there's so little time for family and certainly for church. So trying to figure out how you engage with people um, has been a real real trick for us yeah. um, and trying to manage their, you know, or leverage the time that they'll give you. So a lot of that, we're a very family oriented community. So kids really do run everything, mm -hmm. <laughs> sports first, uh, church if there's time um, until they run into trouble, then suddenly, uh, you know, they, they get a little bit more interested. But I think that's, that's pretty much our story. Now, if you watch Santa Clarita diet, you know, you're going to see yes. a different story. Not yeah. that I've seen that, nor do I advocate that, but I've heard, <laughs> I've heard stories. Uh, what about for you in Vegas? You know, I think one of the interesting things about being in Vegas, and so, you know, I'll just answer a couple questions uh, for everybody who's listening. Uh, number one, yes, we have churches in Vegas. Uh, number two, I do not live on the Strip. Yeah. Uh, the, the pretty cool thing is, is you know, in Vegas, uh, it's it's kind of like being a pastor anywhere else, except my elders don't give me a paycheck. They just give me a roll of quarters at the end of the week yes. and wish me luck. There you go. And so other than that, it's about the same. You know, <laughs> the thing that drew me to Vegas years ago, the reason that I moved there 23 years ago and I've stayed, is I grew up in the Midwest, mm -hmm. as, as Rusty and I both did. I went to Ozark in Missouri, and then I was a youth pastor in St. Louis for five and a half years. Mm -hmm. And... The interesting thing about the Midwest is it's full of good people. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are good people who have gone to church. They know the whole church culture, but they don't really understand their need for God yeah. because they've just been embedded with this. When I moved out to Vegas, one of the things that I fell in love with it is people are so broken mm -hmm. that they've tried everything else. Las Vegas is 
the number one in gambling addiction, number one in divorce, yeah. uh, number one in suicide, number one in teen pregnancy, number one in high school dropout. Uh, we were listed as the number one most stressful city to live in. Mm. Mm. And and so it's a very unique culture in that, that what happens in Las Vegas is it's a city that makes very broken people. Yeah. And it's a city where broken people come yeah. to start mm. over. Yeah. It's amazing how many people who have just moved there. They move there to start move over. Yeah. yeah. And you know, a lot of them, will, they'll come from Vegas. Be- yeah. I mean, from California because mm-hmm. they can afford it. You yeah. know, it's so much more affordable than California. Sure. And what, what I fell in love with the city and what we found is, is that people know that they're lost. And so they have this desperate need. And so where people in the Midwest think that they are just good people and don't need God, here they have a huge need for God. Mm -hmm. And it has just opened the gospel for us. And what I've realized that we can't do is I can't compete with the strip. You know, I mean, the yeah. entertainment yeah. culture that happens. I mean, kind of like in L.A. Right. Yeah, you can't compete with movie industry. Yeah, yeah, you can't compete with Disney. And so you don't try to compete with that. You try to give them something very authentic. Right. And it's just the authentic gospel that just changes people. Right. But in the same way, I mean, people are busy. And, yeah. it, you know, they, that it is we're competing with, with sports and work. And we're a 24-hour town. And so people, you know, I mean, they're... They're blackjack dealers, you know, mm-hmm. all night long, and it's just a, it's just a weird yeah. town to live in and to be in. But yeah. it's a unique mm-hmm. culture. Well, I would definitely agree with the whole authenticity thing. That's been the most refreshing thing. The Midwest was bad, okay, as far <laughs> as people just everything's fine. But the worst was the South, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Everybody was fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Uh, but out here. I just really appreciate how open people are. They'll tell yeah. you how many shrinks they have, how many meds they're on. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, yeah. how much uh, issues they're having. And and they'll try anything once, so they'll try Jesus. So yeah. I, I yeah. love that. And yeah. I love that we can just start right where the brokenness is and go yeah. from there. Seriously. Now, that being said, what are kind of the most common obstacles? I guess it kind of relates to the question. Um, mm-hmm. What are the most common obstacles that kind of people come to you guys' churches with? Mm-hmm. Um, that they're kind of struggling with right off the bat on that starting point. Well, I would just say that they have the typical issues we all have, you know, the yeah. issues with, uh, you know, marriage or kids or money or whatever. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is they want immediate quick fixes. And the gospel is not a quick fix kind of thing. It's a quick <laughs> salvation, okay? Yeah. But the whole changing your life is such a process. And a lot of times people don't want to give that time. Uh, or they don't really want to fully invest. Um, they just kind of want uh, about a dollar's worth of God sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it is. I think it's true in both of our cultures. Probably a very similar culture in California and Vegas, in that people are just stressed out. Yeah, yep. they are stressed out by trying to make ends meet. They're stressed out in their marriages with their kids, with all that they have to do. They feel guilty no matter what they're doing. Mm. You know, when they're at work, they feel guilty they're not with their families. When they're with their families, they're not getting work done and they feel guilty. And so there are so many pressures that are coming at people mm-hmm. that it just makes it such a difficult, <laughs> it's, it's just a difficult uh, era to to be in yeah. right now. And yeah. and I just think there is there is such a pace of life in both of our cultures that is so fast. Mm-hmm. And it just destroys families and destroys people. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And don't you as a pastor just feel almost guilty sometimes that we 
add to that pressure. Yeah. Mm. Because they show up here and we say, you got to come more often. Yeah. What's your time? What's your money? <laughs> you got to you got to give. You got to get in a group, uh, which is another night of the week. You know, you got to serve. serve. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been on a mission trip yet? Well, come on. You know, which is obviously all part of it, but it almost just feels like we're adding to the pressure. Hmm. It, it does, and you and you got these parents who are trying to navigate their kids' stuff, and you know, on top of that, we've got you know kids' camps and kids' yeah, programs right. and. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I think I think the phenomenon that we're seeing right now because of this is people are coming to church less than they've ever come before. Yep. And so the challenge for us as a church is uh, I heard Craig Rochelle last week said he said at Life Church, people are coming on average once out of every six weeks. Wow. I don't think that it is like that where we are, but I would say probably one of every three weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, trying to help people change their life when they're showing up to church every three or four weeks. And, you know, we're trying to do a series and trying to help people take these steps. Yeah. And they're hearing one message in the series right. and then going back to their busy yeah. lives. And so it's it's hard to try to tap into their life because there's just so much going on. They're going to church less. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it just becomes uh, church is becoming less and less of a priority, even in this culture where church is not a very high yeah. priority. Right. So how do you, that being said, how do you guys like strategize uh, from weekend to weekend what you present from the stage mm-hmm. and what you're saying from the stage, uh, like addressing that issue? Mm-hmm. If people are only coming once a month, um, you know, how do you structure your series around that? How do you structure your messages around that uh, to where it's, it's you almost know, utilitarian to where you're yes, trying to get the most. You know, I think I, I think I'm very mindful of that in trying to do a a series. Even when somebody walks into church, I want them to feel like what was here for me today, from the songs to mm-hmm. whatever uh, creative element that we have to the message, it's standalone. Yeah. And that they can get something for their life that will help change them, that God can can meet them where they are. And so it's being mindful in our series of going, okay, we may be in a series that can be very helpful, but this has to be a message that stands on its own. And I'll try to catch people up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll try to tell people, here's where we've been in this series. Here are the pieces of this mm-hmm. that you need to know so now you can get this all together because I want people to walk out um, getting something that's, that's relevant and helpful to, to really help them in their next step mm-hmm. of their spiritual journey. Yeah, that is such a great point. I think in the old days, and by old days I mean ten years ago, <laughs> you do a six-part series, and the, the part six was the how-to. Mm-hmm. It's like everything built up to part six, yeah. and now here's what you do with it. And we don't have that luxury anymore. It's got to be how-to every single week yeah. because they may not be back. Um, so you have to really, really catch people up and have a good, helpful walk-away point at the end. The other thing is, is just continuing to teach people they can catch up online. I meet people all yeah. the time that say, hey, I missed the first several weeks, but I binge-watched it, which I think is funny, because <laughs> yes. uh, we're not on Netflix yet. Uh, we knocked all that out, and now we're back, and we, we, you know, we're ready to go. So I think that's becoming more and more the, yeah. the, the, the Shameless norm. plug for online campus. That's right. right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. that's and awesome. I think that's true, you know, that, that we are a culture where, you know, people are busy and they're coming to church less. Mm-hmm. But they are engaging online mm-hmm. more often, mm-hmm. right. and and so obviously you don't get the community that you get when you're here mm-hmm. on campus, right? But 
but for them to stay engaged and connected right. with the church and what's going on and to have some of that teaching that's coming into their life to be proactive. I mean, I think it's a huge benefit for the online campus mm-hmm. and for them to be able to watch live or go back and to binge watch it. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Yes, that's good. Yeah, it is interesting. It'll be funny to see where in the next five or six years where online campus goes. Yeah. I, I think it's it's only going to get bigger. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more prevalent. The only reason people show up at church is for their kids yeah. because mm-hmm. they can't get kids programs online. I'm sure that will change eventually. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of churches are experiencing this where people will show up to serve and then go home to watch it online. Yep. Because it's hmm. more comfortable to watch it yep. online. Yeah, I get that. Is. I get that here all the yeah. time. Well, especially if you have a church where your services are at 9 and 11. Yeah. You get that big enough gap in between. Yeah. Yeah. I wait around. Let's just go home. Right. We'll catch it when we get home. Yeah. I actually have people messaging me on online campus saying, I'm homesick today. Can you tell the tell the volunteer staff that I won't be there? <laughs> I won't be there. <laughs> like, so you're an errand boy now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so that's fascinating. But anyways. Um, okay. Last question. Um, as pastors, behind the scenes, what are some things that you wish your congregation knew or that you wish they would catch up on hmm. or catch up well, with? Okay, I'll go first because your answer will be better than mine. <laughs> um, I, I would just say that Jesus is not just your ticket to heaven. Yeah, <laughs> He's with you all the way till you get there. And I know that's been the journey of you and I's life. Mm-hmm. We grew up with Jesus as you know the flannel graph character or the story in the Bible, but... Uh, what's the old saying? There's a time when you make Jesus your Savior and another time you make him your Lord. And I know for you and I, that came later on in Mm -hmm. our life, even in the ministry when Jesus became not just our Lord, but our friend. And to know that you get to walk with Jesus through life, man, that that really changes everything. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean all, I mean, obviously following Scripture, I do believe gives you the most easiest life. You're always going to have issues because it's life. It's broken, sinful world. But you mitigate a lot of those problems just by following Scripture. But just walking with Jesus through it, it's so much more than just a way to get to heaven. You know, I think that is so key. You know, one of the things that I read, you know, Willow Creek did a study a few years ago. And they found that the number one thing that brings about life change in people is Bible engagement. Mm. And... They found that if we can help people engage in God's Word, hmm. that God's Word helps to change them. Hmm. And and so one of the things that I do, and we were talking about this earlier, about these how-tos every week. You know, I say this all the time. It's trying to give our people different ways to engage with the Bible. Obviously, you know, version has been a huge help in that. You right. know, the people have the Bible. They've got hundreds of Bible plans. But just to encourage them, Mm -hmm. you know, as we're going through Proverbs, you know, and the encouragement is, okay, read the Proverb of the day. You know, we did a series through Mark, you know, just read through the Gospel of Mark. And it's it's helping people because I just believe that they can engage with God's Word. Then um, they begin to to hear how God thinks, what God does. I mean, when you when you see what Jesus does, then you begin to do that. And it's transformational. And, you know, but here's another thing that I wish my people would know, and I want I want to hear this for you as well, Mm -hmm. is I don't think I don't think anybody in the church has any idea of the pressures that you face as a pastor, (laughs) that that the pressures of of trying to lead a church in 
this time, in many ways, it's the most exciting time in the world, but I think mm-hmm. the stresses of trying to lead a church when we are coming to what may be the beginning of a post-Christian culture, mm-hmm. uh, the pressures of trying to lead your family, knowing that you know your greatest, mm-hmm. your your greatest uh, strength as a pastor is your is your own life and it's your family, and you know my greatest success as a pastor is my kids all love Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know my my kids are all adults; they love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, they love the church, the big church, and they love the crossing. I mean, to me, that is the greatest success for me as a pastor mm-hmm. is having those things right there. Yep. Yeah. And and I just think that that most people have no idea mm-hmm. of the pressures that you have mm-hmm. as as a pastor. And you know, you're you know, you're just a normal guy, and you're yep. trying to navigate these same things that they are, mm-hmm. and at the same time trying to just be faithful to what God has called you to. Yeah, and I know that's what you and I talk about this a lot because there is that um, that sense out here. It's more so on the West Coast than we experience in the Midwest of, oh, you're Pastor Shane, you're Pastor mm-hmm. Rusty, uh, which I appreciate, um, you know, just it's almost a term of, of affection from them, and I appreciate yeah. that. It's very kind. Um, but to know we're just broken people. Right. You got your issues. Right. I got mine. Many of ours are similar. Would you share uh, a couple of yours? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there'll be a moment of silence as we edit this. Um, but just the, the, the reality that we face uh, being broken people, but yet also the weight we carry of having mm-hmm. to shepherd, you know, uh, not just the, the thousands of people that call our churches home, but the staff. Right. You know, um, that's what keeps me awake at night because you and I knew what we were getting into. Right. Um, we saw it modeled for us. We went to Bible college for it. We trained for it. We've had experience in it. We're out doing it. And we have people, especially at the lead pastor rank, people praying for us on a daily mm-hmm. basis, which is so kind. But the staff we hire, they didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. They didn't know what they were getting into. They didn't know that they were going to be judged more severely or there would be more odd calamities in their life because mm-hmm. they're suddenly now working for the church and now they have a target on their back from the enemy. I mean, that's what I really wrestle with because mm-hmm. I feel so bad for them and pray for them all the time. Right. But they're leading with a limp, as like you talked about to, you know, this weekend uh, as well. And, and how do you manage that? Right. You know, And that, that tremendous weight. So, yeah, there is a lot of pressure and the pressure, obviously, is with the staff as well as to how do I, how do I equip them to do yeah. something that I've been trying to figure out for twenty plus years. Right. Definitely. You know, it's you know when we talk about staff, I think one of the, I think one of the realities of of staff is, I think one of the things that has been so positive, mm. is we are raising up so many staff out of our own churches. Right. And it has been it's been great to see that. However, <laughs> the other side of that is. When you raise up staff out of your own church, um, they lose their church, they lose their pastor, because now yeah. all of a sudden, you know, they show up and it's like, okay, what used to be my refuge is now my place of work. Oh, yeah. So well said. Yeah. Who used to be my pastor is now my boss. Mm. And they lose all of those things that they fell in love with Jesus because they had a great church and a pastor. Yeah. And now... It's like a disenchantment. It, it is. Yeah. Yep. And they don't know... 
They don't know how to assimilate all of these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the added pressures of, mm-hmm. of our staff mm-hmm. is that they didn't train for all of this stuff. They yeah. just love Jesus. You know, obviously they're incredibly talented. They know the DNA of the church. But there is there's this new cycle that has to begin to happen in them mm-hmm. where they have to learn these new rhythms. And it's just tough. Yeah. Nobody, you know, you get this idea it's going to be church camp mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. And man, and and you you go through all these things and life is tough. They get to see you in a bad mood. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, Shane didn't talk to me today yeah. in the hallway. Well, that's because you're on staff now. Right? <laughs> that's right. No, I, I know what you mean. I also think about, you know, just if I'm a guy that volunteers at a church, and let's say I lead a small group, and then I, I go and I uh, build airplane parts, okay? Um, that's the Wichita days. Yeah, that's right. There, right? <laughs> if I'm bad at my job, I think to myself, well, at least I'm making a difference leading a small group. Right. But if I'm a bad small group leader, I think, well, at least I'm making good airplane parts. Mm-hmm. But when you join a church staff, both those things join together. Yeah. yeah. Right. And now, if I preach a bad sermon, I'm not just a bad pastor. I'm a bad Christian. You know, there's yeah. that, 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 that's the way that I feel. Right. I feel like this is all on me sometimes. Right. You know, and I think, I think part of, you know, what happens in, as you're in ministry longer, and I think for us, you know, as we've done this for so many years, it's part of that seasoning of your identity that you have to come through oh, is yeah. going that that these days, obviously, you know, I work hard putting together a message. I want to do the best I can. But when I bomb on a Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, I can go home and go, you know what, next Sunday's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not who I am. That's not my identity. Yep. And God shows up, you know, and this is one of the things that God teaches me is even in those moments where you think, man, that's the worst message I've ever done. Yep. Somebody will come up and tell you about how God changed their yep. life. Yep. They got something out of it, like you yeah. said. You know, God changed my life through that. And that's just that just shows you God is working on every single person. It's what I pray before every Sunday I have my prayer team who comes in to my speaker's lounge and they pray for me. And what I pray is not only for the Holy Spirit to empower me to do His work mm. through me to get me out of the way, but to make applications in people's lives that I never intended to make. That's so good. You know, because the Holy Spirit just meets them where they are. Yep. And as they walk into to our building, to your building, to, you know, to wherever across the United States, that as they're walking in, the Holy Spirit is working on them. And so they get something that we never intended. And that's the power of the gospel. And it takes the pressure off of me of going, it's not all up to me. It does. It does. And I think I'm finally believing that <laughs> enough yeah. to take the pressure off myself. Yeah. But you're right. And I hear that all the time. When you said this, and I think, I didn't say that. I mean, right. that's obviously God. And just to bring it back around to something we already said, this is one of the things I wish everybody knew. If God does that every Sunday you show up or you tune in, and now you're only doing that once out of six weeks or once hmm. out of four weeks. Yeah. Think about the amount of things he wants to do in your life that you're not showing up for. Yeah, you know. So mm-hmm. as church attendance declines, those little Holy Spirit moments decline as well. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's great. Well, thank you both for your dedication, what you guys do on a weekly basis, wherever you're at. So you guys are rock stars. Thank so you. Rocking. Great to be cool. here. Awesome. Thank you both. Thanks, Shane, for being here. Right. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you have a moment, we'd love for you to go to iTunes and write a review and share this with your friends on social media just by word of mouth. 
It's been great to have you here. We'll see you next month.